Good morning. Good morning. Oh, I think there was anybody here. <laughs> Thank you. So we'll begin by uh, introducing ourselves. Uh, we'll just go around uh, first name and uh, then we'll uh, connect with our friends on Zoom. Let's see who's, see who's shown up. So I'm here, Mado, Alicia. Donna. Haley. Joe. Ross. Charla. Georgie. Andy. Otto. Jason. Brianna. Bryce. Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> Dawson. Russian. Okay. And who do we have on Zoom? Andrea. Hi, I'm Domenica. Carl. Brenda. Ramon. Okay. Ah, there's Justin. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, welcome, 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 welcome. And thanks for making the journey here. Uh, I know. It's, um, it takes effort to get out of bed on a Sunday morning and get into your car because all of you have to, you just can't walk across the street to this Dharma Center. So it does take effort. Um, I hope it's worth it. It's a very rare time uh, to have this, this time to yourself with others who are sharing uh, this journey together. So I really appreciate it. Here we are, this little forest refuge here. And um, it's not alive uh, unless you're here. So it's, um, it's wonderful to be able to welcome you and to have, have this shared experience together. We have been addressing the uh, Buddhist precepts. And I want to continue to reiterate that these precepts are not to be taken as rules. Uh, they're not to be taken as shoulds. You should not kill, you should not lie, you should not steal. Uh, they are not demands or commandments. They really are opportunities for us to examine our lives, to explore the decisions we make, to watch how our minds work, how our responses work. So 
there are 10 precepts and each one follows a kind of fundamental um, aspect of human life. And it's, it's helpful to get to know yourself and to get to know how you respond to others. The precepts are all about relationships. They don't arise unless we are talking about how we connect, not only with other human beings, but with animals and with the earth. So we're, we're always in relationship. Um, and that's one of the fundamental truths of our practice of interconnectedness with all things. <clears throat> and so the precepts are, are you might say, um, a Buddhist ethic. It's a way of living a fully human life to use these precepts as guides for, for what you do in your life. And I think the fundamental orientation of Buddhism in terms of its ethical dimension is that we, we notice when our behavior, when our decisions, when our, even our intentions cause suffering, when they cause suffering for us and when they cause suffering for other beings. And so Buddhist ethics have to do with relieving suffering. They're not about any, you know, um, mystical, uh, you know, otherworldly metaphysical issues. They are about how do I live in a way that connects me with other people in a compassionate way and helps relieve my own suffering and the suffering of others. So anything that contributes to the relief of suffering is good. Anything that contributes to suffering is not good. Uh, we use the word good, not good, skillful, unskillful, wholesome, unwholesome. So we're not, you know, we're not here as judges. We're not judging ourselves. We're not judging others. We are watching, curious, interested. That's interesting. I said that. Why did I say that? I stole that flower. This is a, con a continual thing for me. <laughs> you know, I'm a flower stealer. <laughs> but I was told by my tea teacher that Stealing flowers in Japan is a much lesser crime. <laughs> People don't, don't really look down on you too much if you steal flowers. So I, I feel a little better about that. But I ask myself, you know, why did I, why did I take this flower from another person's yard? <laughs> you know, and I have all kinds of reasons that I use, but, but, but it's an opportunity to kind of get to know who you are, what your motives are. And I think as Angyo sent me a quote, uh, to do the best that you can with what you know. And when you know more, do better. Do the best that you can with what you know now 
And when you know more, in other words, when you've investigated, when you have discovered more, when you have examined more, do better. So, so this, our practice is transformative. It's a transformative practice. It changes you. Those are some preliminary remarks that I, I want to continue to remind ourselves because it's easy to fall into the precept that we're going to discuss today, praise and blame. So it's easy to say, well, I broke a precept. I'm to blame. This is not what it's about. Or I didn't kill anything today. So I'm a good person. It's not what it's about. It's not about praise and it's not about blame. It's about have you relieved suffering? Have you contributed to the suffering of the world? So this, these are questions we, we live with. We live with. We watch. So I, I want to address praise today. Last week, we talked a little bit about blame. And the precept involves both praise and blame. And I think ultimately we'll find that there's really no difference, that they're, they're really basically the same precept. Praising and blaming are the same action. But I want to focus our attention on praise because praise seems to be something wonderful, right? Uh, what's wrong with praise? We're, we're, we're taught to, uh, to tell people how good they are, how wonderful they are, uh, and we enjoy being praised. Ooh, it feels good, right? When someone says, you're a great Dharma teacher. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, that feels really good. You gave a great Dharma talk today say yeah oh, that feels good what's wrong with that how does that create suffering how does that how is that unskillful well let's start by imagining a toddler in a, in the in a playground in a park in a sandbox and this is something I've, I myself have witnessed with my own child. And she's playing in the sandbox, just enjoying life. Um, just kind of at one with the sand. Not, you know, not particularly self-conscious at all, right? Just enjoying the feel of the sand and making things and throwing them, you know, bashing them down and, um, paying with a little pail and shovel and just a kind of one with things and having fun. Noticing almost the same as a, as a puppy, just jumping through the woods, you know, just having, having fun, being one with things. And then uh, my daughter started going to school and we go to the playground, we go to the park, and she goes on the swing. And I hear her saying, Mom, 
see how high I can go. Look at me. Look how high I can swing. I'm swinging higher than that person. That, you know, I'm going higher, higher. Look at me, mom. Uh, something has changed there. She probably got praise for something in school that she did really well and got it into her head that it was a good idea to be better, <laughs> to be better than, than others, to do something that would elicit praise. Look at me, mom. Am I not great? <laughs> Am I not wonderful? Do I not deserve praise for how high I can swing? Ridiculous. Praising her for how high she can swing. <laughs> And then of course, I mean, I didn't witness this, but I can imagine uh, young girls, adolescents, um, going to the same park and you know, being in the coolest clothing um, and you know, being, being not only on the level of peers, but even cooler, <laughs> more fashionable. kind of looking to others for affirmation, for, yeah, that's a really cool outfit. That's, you know, you really, I love your haircut, you know, it's really the in thing now. So it's, it's this constant evolution of the search for praise. And of course she, maybe if she becomes a mother herself, she has the, um, the latest stroller <laughs> she's you know and dressing the child in the most fashionable toddler clothing and and then putting her toddler in the sandbox so there's something that happens as we evolve as we grow as we grow up where praise wasn't particularly an issue or blame. We were just being who, you know, who we were. But suddenly it, creep, it creeps in. And before you know it, we are hungry for praise. We're looking for it. And we also think that other people are looking for it. And so we give it, you know, uh, when it's, what I call mercantile mind, the merchant's mind. We know if we, if we praise someone, we're probably gonna get something back. So praise can be a tool also, um, and often is, especially if we praise, we're told to praise ourselves when we're looking for a job. Just, just tell, tell them, tell everyone how just great you are. And also, we know if we praise the company or the, you know, or the place that we're trying to get a job in, that's going, that's going to come, come back to us in some way. So sometimes it's said that praise helps us to develop a strong ego. 
that we should praise children. You know, you're a teacher and, and many of us have had that you know, our teaching teachers in some way. And we're encouraged to praise, uh, to praise, to develop a strong sense of self. I'm not so sure that Buddha, Buddhists uh, would advocate that, um, developing a strong sense of self. Um, that seems to be a sort of Western uh, uh, admonition, you know, we should have a strong sense of self. What happens when we have a strong sense of self usually is that we want to make it stronger, <laughs> that there's no limit to how strong a sense of self we can develop. And praise goes a long way in helping us to be a strong self. And one of the things that praise does, it separates us from others. When we give praise, we are separating ourselves from the one who is being praised and setting ourselves up as a judge. I am in a position where I can offer you praise and I have some sort of authority to do that. So I'm I'm kind of separating myself from you. And I'm also, another thing that the precepts help us do is to stay present. And praise kind of pulls us out of the present moment. It puts us in relationship to some, uh, some idealized standard it doesn't really bring us down into what is happening. It's, it's focusing us on the person, not on what's going on in, in the actual situation. So for example, I know in our last uh, day long retreat, we had a fantastic meal <laughs> and everybody was praising Michelle for being such a great cook. You're a great cook. Well, isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Well, I wonder if what would, what would be different if instead of saying, Michelle, you're a great cook and, and instead saying, this was a really interesting meal. It was a, it was a very tasty, meal. It was uh, something I've never experienced. I just got a bowl of soup from um, Vienna. And it was, it, I think I said to you, this is a marvelous soup. I didn't say, you are a great cook. <laughs> There's a real difference there from a Buddhist perspective. What happens if I say, you are a great cook? There's a kind of sugar rush. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 
uh, like, you're a great Dharma teacher. Yeah. But what did, first of all, that, that makes a separation between us. And also it is a kind of burden on Leanna <laughs> because she's probably gonna feel that she has, to, every time she brings me some food, it's gonna have to live up to that soup. She's, now I see her as a great cook and the burden on her is to continue to be a great cook. If somebody says to me, Mado, you're, you're a great Dharma teacher. I get an immediate rush from that. But then I get this sort of weird taste in my mouth, like, ooh, I don't, that that's, doesn't feel right. It, 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 it's too heavy. It's too heavy on me. Because next time, what if I, I give a really lousy talk? <laughs> you know, that it's a burden on me. And I feel that because I know I'm a decent teacher, but it's a burden to be praised personally. But if somebody came and talked about an issue that I raised in the talk, that would be very different. Then we are connecting with something genuine, something real, something that is worthy and not just some personal um, inflation, you know, of my ego. And of course, according to, according to Buddhist practice, my understanding, you are always going to be blamed and you are always going to be praised. You can't escape it. You can notice it, which is what we're, what we're, practicing, awareness practice, you can notice, okay, Buddha said, if you don't say anything, someone is going to say, you're silent. You didn't, you, you're just silent on this. If you say a little bit, they're going to say, well, you didn't say enough. And if you say a lot, you said too much. <laughs> so it, there's always going, someone's going to come up to me and say, Mado, you get a, did a, a really good Dharma talk. And the next person is going to say, you didn't say anything about what's really important there. It's just going to be constant. Pray, like I said last week, good girl, bad girl, good girl, bad girl. It's just, and so... Buddha sp spoke about praise and blame as winds. <laughs> They're just winds that pass in front of us. And we are like the tree who just bends with the wind. We just listen, move back and forth, uh, and not ingest, not ingest the blame, not ingest the praise. I discovered a couple of days ago what I'm calling the invisible bow. And I'm offering the invisible bow to you 
today as something useful. Um, I noticed that as I go in and out of doorways, there's something in me that's bowing all the time. Probably comes from over 40 years of bowing. That there's, there's a bow inside of me, but it's invisible. But I can feel it. I can feel it as I'm moving through the world. And so if somebody praises you personally and it and in in a in a skillful response it wouldn't necessarily be not to hear it or to deny it or to say oh no no <laughs> i i don't deserve that praise um, but just to silently bow to it just to feel okay so what does that silent bow express it expresses i hear you i respect it um i i am let's say i'm being blamed for something i know that in some sense i'm implicated in everything that happens in some sense i am to blame in everything that happens because i'm connected with all the suffering in the world so I'm implicated. And also, you know, the things that I do that are skillful and wholesome, yeah, I'm part of that too. But I'm not, um, I'm not attached. I'm not, I'm gonna, not gonna let it stick to me. I'm just gonna bow silently. And therefore I don't need, I don't need to deny I don't need to say, no, I'm not to blame, or no, I'm not deserving of this praise. So I'm not denying it, nor am I attaching to it and saying, yeah, that, yeah, I, I deserve, or oh, I'm so sorry. No, we're not getting, you might say, personally involved. <laughs> um, there's another saying in Zen, what happens to you is none of your business. <laughs> you know. Don't take anything personally, personally, ego, egoistically. Why? Because there is no such a thing. <laughs> but we move through the world and bowing. That's why bowing practice is really significant practice it's not it's not about worshiping it's about acknowledging just about it acknowledging. so the invisible bow is a way of addressing praise and blame <clears throat> give it a try So please return your cushions to their places.
And prepare for opening. Stand in front of your cushion. And what is Lee 